Welcome into episode 65 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight. Um, you know, get, heading right into it. You know, the big thing that's uh, the, that's the news around Alabama football right now is our injury report. And uh, it seems like this is the the same book, different chapter. Um, injuries have cost Alabama multiple national championships. You can look at it as any kind of excuse that you want to but the fact remains that if you had Jamison Williams and John Mechie last year more than likely Alabama in a what Nick Saban called a rebuilding year um wins the national championship beats Georgia for the second time uh we saw we saw the result whenever you know the whole team was healthy or healthier uh you know the first go around the SEC championship he also lost Jason McClellan last year that really hurt the uh the change of pace and Roy Dell Williams for that matter um, you know, was it 2016? Uh, Eddie Jackson was out against Clemson. Uh, you know, he could have definitely made a difference. You know, you, you can just go back and it just seems like every year, uh, you know, 2018 with Tua, um, I think Mac Wilson maybe a little banged up that year as well. But guys, here we are again. And fall camp, we haven't even had a first scrimmage yet. Um, Latu is out a month, month and a half. Um, a lot of freshmen, Isaiah Hastings, you know, Elijah Pritchett, Earl Little Jr., and Aaron Anderson are all, you know, banged up. Some of them are banged up. Some of them have, like, had surgery this summer. So some some of these are a little bit more severe than others. You know, JoJo Earl uh, recently broke his foot. He's out till at least mid-October, early October maybe. Um, they're saying six to eight weeks. More than likely this will be an eight to ten-week recovery time on this injury. Um, and Alabama just continues to break more feet somehow than any team I've ever seen in my life. But, uh, J-Law, I mean, dude, like, is there anything different you want to say about this? Or, cause you know, we were kind of talking about you, like, we're like, we can, we can bring up the injury. Sure. But at this point it is what it is. It's something we're all used to, you know, you have to have this next man up mentality or whatever, but you know, even Aaron Anderson, this is his time to step up with Jojo being gone now. And uh, and he's going to miss the majority of fall camp. He's out for probably another two weeks. So he's going to miss at least two of the three scrimmages that Alabama holds. So uh, what's your opinion on all these injuries? You've also got, you know, Tyler Harrell is a transfer from Louisville. That's He's practicing, but he's not 100%. You know, he's not full go. So, I mean, where, where do you stand with all this? It's just, just – are you like me where it's just like, here we go again. Please keep Bryce and Will in a bubble. Don't even let them practice at this point. What's your what's your take on all the early injuries that Alabama's had in fall camp so far? What was it? Three or four years ago, we were recording the pod when we found out Dylan Moses towards ACL. I think I think I'm pretty sure we were doing the pod and then like we kind of recorded it earlier in the day. And we were like, Yeah, it's gonna be one of those years, and it turned out to be one of those years. I just don't know. And it, it I don't know how this maybe is maybe we just think it happens to us because we follow Alabama. Maybe it happens to other people, but and it, it seems to always hit a position group too. I mean that now you're talking Harrell banged up, Jojo Earl, who we all had as I think one of our top four, first four receivers on the field, six to eight weeks. Dude, you don't know how long this could go. Aaron Anderson's hurt. There's three receivers. Last year we went through um two running backs before we just had to run B Robin to the ground. Christian Leary had to move to running back last year, so he almost got virtually no reps at wide receiver. He's probably expected to be 
that next guy to step up for JoJo Earl if it isn't going to be I think Shaz Preston would probably be the freshman that could step up into that slot. But man, it's just it's just very frustrating because I don't I don't see it as an excuse. Everybody knows, Georgia fans know that if it you didn't even need both of them with no run game, with an absolute atrocious offensive line, if John Mechie or or Jamison Williams play in the natty, Alabama wins the game. They they win the game. They Which probably is... score two more touchdowns than they scored. You didn't even need both of them. And um, I just I just think that it, it's it's discouraging to start the year like this, where you're going to need Cam Watu week two. He should be back week two, according to Coach Saban. But like these are pieces of the pie that you're going to need, um, especially down the stretch. I mean, JoJo Earl. He he was your number one punt returner. Well, now you're going to your second punt returner. We've known how that's going for Alabama over the last few years. Just very discouraging, very frustrating. And my God, like you just hope that it doesn't get worse because we haven't had a scrimmage. And normally you're going to get an ACL tear or two. Um, maybe if you're an Alabama fan, you're accustomed to that in the first couple weeks of fall camp. So we haven't had the ACL tear. But we now had a player break a foot in back-to-back seasons last year being Chris Allen after a sack, strip sack and a fumble recovery misses the rest of the year. So I, I don't like it, but we'll see where it goes. You know, that's one that a lot of people forget about, and that's because Drew Sanders filled that role so well early last year, and then he gets hurt, and then you have Dallas Turner just emerge. That was one of the best scenarios of next man up that's ever been done in college football. I mean, Dallas Turner – was far and away one of the best rushers in the in the SEC last year as a true freshman. And he didn't even start playing until, like, what, week six or seven maybe. Um, Drew got him a couple of starts in there before he got hurt. And then by the time he was healed up, Dallas was playing so good you could not afford to take him off the field. Um, but that's not the case every time. I mean, as good as these freshmen are and as good as these younger guys are that Alabama brings in, um, you know – not saying everybody's a bust, but some of them it takes a little bit longer to develop. You know, Lesser always jokes on me about I labeled Reggie Raglan a bust. The dude went two or three years, never saw the field, except for on like kickoff team. And uh and it just took him a little bit longer to develop. Then you got you have guys like Rolando McLean who step and Evan Neal who step on campus and they're a starter from day one of fall camp. Um, so it's not, you know, I think. Alabama fans have really gotten spoiled with guys like that. And a lot of these high, highly talented offensive linemen that we have coming in, like your, your Pritchett and Booker and Brocker Meyer and Latham, everybody expected them last year to step on campus and be Evan Neal. And that's just not always the case. And you want it to be sure, but it's just not always how it works. And even your backup, you know, there's a huge drop off, fortunately for Alabama, but Chris Allen is one that a lot of people forget about. And I had just forgotten about him until you brought it up. But Lester, dude, you know, like, like I was just telling J-Law, same book, different chapter. We hear about this every year. Get your first scrimmage coming up on Saturday. Um, so you just pray that you get through these three scrimmages clean and when and it's injury serious injury free as possible. I mean, you're gonna get nicked up, sure, that's yep. football, but yep. you know, avoid your tears, avoid your breaks. Um, I mean, what is it that Alabama does that's so different from everybody else? I haven't heard of anybody else getting hurt in fall camp for any team. I mean, ESPN sent out a notification earlier about JoJo Earl. Like, 
why is nobody else getting hurt at other schools? Why is this Alabama, not just this year, but every single year? You know, I, I, I kind of mentioned this to you guys before we got started, but it's – I don't know what it is about Alabama because it's not funny, but it's kind of funny at the same time because we thought Scott Cochran was the man who, I guess, during practice detached ACLs and broke legs himself – we blamed him for every single catastrophic thing that came that happened at Alabama just about. And we thought, you know, Dr. Ray and Ballou was going to come in, even though Ballou left, he's with the Saints now, and, you know, bringing in this new type of way to work out and, and stuff like that. And dang, y'all, it hasn't changed at all. Uh, I guess things are a little bit different, not as catastrophic, not ligaments and things of that nature, but dude, it's still happening. I don't know what they're doing over there. Um, it is crazy. It's bizarre. And and the the thing about it is, right now you're just in like shells. Like you're not even really you're not you're not suited and booted and you know full gear. I mean, up until what a couple week up until like a week or two ago, it's just summer conditioning, right? And just skeleton drills and stuff like that. Like, what are you doing where you can? Break an ankle or hurt a foot, like is it stupid? Is it that's, running? Like, what are you? What are they doing over that's there? Exactly that's what I was going to ask you that. next. How do what you break? How do you break a foot? Like, if you, I, I, I get it. I get it. You, you put your foot in the ground and you twist your knee up because you're trying to cut. That's that happens all the time. I get that. Yes. How do you break a bone in your foot? Because you're not. It's not. It's not like somebody's hitting your foot with a helmet. They're not tackling your foot. You know, you you know, something happens with an arm or something like that. You you fracture your forearm or whatever because you're getting hit. I, I I can see that. How do you break a foot? Like you can't just break that just running around, can you? I mean, right. how in the hell does this happen? Surely there are no like divots in the ground or nobody's getting their cleat caught. <laughs> I have no explanation for it. I'm, I mean, he's an, an elite athlete. I'm assuming all these guys are elite athletes. Surely they're not clumsy, right? Like nobody tripped over themselves or tripped over a helmet at practice. I don't know. It is the most inexplicable thing. Because, you know, if stuff happens in fall camp and practice, okay, you know, I, I can understand it. But these guys are just conditioning and running, like, drills and routes. Like, what is going on? I don't know, bro. Yeah, and uh, J-Law, you know, back to you on the uh, Elijah Pritchett injury. You know, you said before the podcast we were kind of yucking it up, and you were like, you know, Pritchett has lifted weights hundreds of times throughout, you know, since he was whatever, 12, 13 years old, whenever he started. And all of a sudden this dude comes to Alabama, and his first summer he tears a peck while working out. And this isn't something that you recover from in a month or two. This is something that – Really, you ha- you really have to make sure it's a hundred percent because you know before you start working out again, and uh, you know just another frustrating injury. And Pritchett, Pritchett more than likely was not going to play this year, but from a, a depth perspective, um, you always need depth in the trenches on both sides of the ball, and then just your overall development. Like Lester said, um, uh, of these young guys, you know, year one is huge because you've been in a high school weight program your whole life, even even though it was IMG, but still you're you're transforming into a division one top notch SEC West weight program. 
And you need all the reps you can get, and whether it's in the weight room and on the practice field. And that first year is huge for these young guys. And now he doesn't get that because he tears a peck while he's freaking working out. I mean, you guys tell me tearing a peck in workouts. I mean, I'm going to guess it's on bench, incline, decline, whatever. I mean, if it wasn't, maybe you're snatching, you know, whatever. But, I mean, dude, you've been working out forever. You don't tear your peck. I get it, man. You're blocking. You're you're going through drills and arm gets called up, rip your peck. But, dude, in the first week, I mean, you've been on, camp, you know, on campus since June. And I'm guessing he tore his peck sometime in the distant past since he was on campus because they haven't even seen him out there. So, um, those are the types of things that are frustrating. And, you know, for JoJo Earl, the guy last year who – is return. He was our punt returner. He was returning a meaningless punt against New Mexico State, and tears his ACL. It's not. Only, I don't think it's just the injuries. Maybe in the season or off season, it's Eddie Jackson. When we're not in a position where we might lose, returning a punt and getting hit and tearing his ACL. It, it's those types of things. It's JoJo Earl. Catching a kick, tearing his ACL on special teams. I get, dude, special teams are important. We've won games on special teams. But Alabama's probably could – you could honestly say they well, they lost a natty because of special teams um, because of what happened to Eddie Jackson. So, I don't know, man. We don't want to talk about injuries the whole time. It's just depressing for Alabama fans to know that JoJo Earl, I think, like I said, we all had him in, his, in our top four, if not five receivers. I had him as my – you could have put him at three with – Ja'Cory Brooks potentially right there as the third receiver to get on the field. People were talking about it hot on message boards earlier um, in the last few days, and then and you get the news. So Alabama's got to step up, put somebody in there. And, listen, there's a lot of talent. Receiver's not the hardest position to play, but we know Saban's not going to put you on the field. Uh, for example, Slade Bolden, if you don't know what you're doing. So, I don't know, a lot, a lot going on. Uh, And not a lot of good news. I know somebody might have texted you, Chase, and asked you to ask me, can I be positive about something? But our our injury sheet is essentially the depth chart right now. We haven't – they haven't even put the pads on on Saturday. So are you going to say something positive or no? Uh, You going to save it? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, is it – I think that, you know, JoJo Earl – I, I thought he was going to be the real deal this year, and uh, I don't. I'm not sure how you can. I it if if Burton and Harold don't transfer in, JoJo Earl is your number one. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, and the problem, the problem here, and what a lot of people don't realize is that oh, he's back early October. No, he's not, because if JoJo was a Jalen Waddle type, you know, Jalen also got hurt on special teams against Ken, Tennessee, right? Um, so. If he is a third-year guy, preseason, All-American, All-SEC type player, he's been at Alabama for two years, started as a freshman, he's had, he's got 1,800 receiving yards in his career, then sure, you can say, okay, yeah, mid-October, he'll be back once he gets back in, in game shape and all that stuff. JoJo's still very unproven. Um, you know, he showed flashes last year, sure. Uh, but so whenever he does get back, he's not a plug and play guy. He's got to fight his way back up the depth chart and all these reps that he's going to lose. And also Aaron Anderson, you know I mean? If Christian Leary's playing well, you can't take him off the field. I mean, same thing with Ja'Cory Brooks, Ja'Shawn Holden, whoever, whoever those top four are going to be, if they're playing well, then there's no really room for competition. You just have to compete 
with yourself and get better and be ready in case we have more injuries like we did in that in the national championship game. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, as far as the comment about J-Law being positive, the, there really hasn't been a lot of news, no recruiting news the last week. Um, you know, of course, uh, you got Kelby Collins commit coming up. He's more than likely a Florida um, lean right now. You've got um, maybe what, an O-line committing Saturday. Miles McVay, is that his name? And uh, Polito, Raymond Polito, I think they CB Yeah, him. between Bama and Oklahoma. Um, no, that's the defensive guy. This guy's from California, like the number 350th overall player. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think we're going to take him. Dad says something about that. He said, we're probably going to take the kid out of California and you're not going to like it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're probably he right. He is right. He is right. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, and anyway, so, yeah, there hasn't been much going on, you know. Everything that we've heard coming out of camp about the offensive line has been what we thought with Dalcourt at center, um, Steen at left tackle, Latham right tackle. So there's no really surprises there. And from what I've read, not really a lot of competition. I've read some positive things about Tyler Steen, read a lot of positive stuff about J.C. Latham. J-Law shared those with us earlier in the tweet from Andrew Bone. Um, but, you know – I've Lester's really got me on this. You got to show me train. You, I mean, Lester's a big believer in I've got to see it first. And Lester, you know, we talked about, or I was texting y'all earlier today talking about how, you know, I've got to, our, our Alabama media is not going to go to ball practice and say, hey, we got big time problems on the offensive and defensive lines. They're not going to do that. It's what I call it earlier, sunshine pumping season. That's what it is. I mean, hell, even the Auburn media guys are, are being positive about their team. They got seven and five written all over them. Um, and so I'm not really big on reading into what the media says during their 10-minute viewing period. Um, I know somebody that will be attending one of the scrimmages next weekend. He'll see it with his own eyes. And then he'll report to me, and that's what I'll believe because I have a trusted source that will be at the scrimmage, right? Um, so, Lester, kind of where where are you at on that? How much are you believing about this offensive line stuff? I know you kind of bat this off the cliff a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the offensive line depth and the and the, the five starters that we thought we were going to have. But um, where where do you stand on all this? Are you or do you? Kind of had that sense, and and really, to be honest, the basketball thing too. Whenever I see clips of us uh, scrimmaging in practice, and everybody's raving about so and so, well, they did the same stuff last year with Keon Ellis and JD Davidson. So we heard of as you know, Nate Oates called Keon Ellis the best two way player in the country. That guy was cheeks the whole year. So, <laughs> so where are you at on this whole? I mean, how much are you are you believing about? the height with Tyler Steen and J.C. Latham, the offensive line, just the team in general. I mean, we know the team's going to be good, right? But mostly we're worried about the offensive line, especially with all these injuries creeping up. I'd rather Bryce Young just not even practice, him and Will Anderson, and just don't even practice. Let everybody else go. Those two, the top two potential picks in the NFL draft next year, put them in a bubble, let them sit in the ice bath and watch everybody else. But, um, yeah. I, I, regarding the media, 
I am going, I'm inclined to believe that they're more right than wrong in this situation. Number one, because their credibility is kind of sort of on the line. And number two, um, as you said, with these scrimmages and things are coming up, you know, they're going to be other people with access to the program other than just them. So are you going to have the media saying one thing and the people who go on the scrimmages saying another? So I kind of think that they're they're more inclined to report, you know, what they really think or or what they um they're more inclined to tell the truth in that situation. So, you know, they can keep their credibility and things like that. So I'm I'm gonna try to remain positive on the offensive line. Like I said, I am more believing in their experience more so than the talent. And I'm hoping that they have enough talent to tie in with the experience to become a, a really, really, really solid group for this team. J-Law, we'll move into some, uh, some, some, <clears throat> some of the big news around college football that everybody has heard already. Um, maybe J-Law is all about this stuff, so I'm going to give way to him because, honestly, I don't I understand it but I don't really follow it too much because I'm not really concerned with it. I guess I don't run and I'm not an sec athletic director. I'm not a big 10 athletic director, but J law just talk about some of the TV deals that have been going on um, between the big 10 and the sec with who is it? Is it NBC, ABC, CBS, and ESPN? Is that, is that what's been going on? Yeah. So, I mean, the big 10's plan of bringing UC- UCLA and USC in, I mean, it's, it's worked because, they're already they're already in they're in some of the biggest markets in in the country. So um the, the key is USC and UCLA came in because they thought they could get, you know, a hundred million dollars per year as a part of their deal, which is way, way bigger than the TV money that they were gonna get out of the Pac 12. The Big Ten's looking at 16 teams, um one at $1.6 billion annually from their TV contracts. Um, so the SEC, not that they have to do something, but um, they're they're it. So ABC, ESPN, they're all owned by Disney. So you'll see a lot of the you know SEC now forever. It's going to be on on Disney essentially, ESPN or ABC. Um, but the Big Ten, man, they they got NBC, they got they have Big Fox still, and they also have CBS now two thirty slot. So you're going to have the 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 Fox Big Noon kickoff like they already have, which has been Fox's primetime window, although it's not really primetime. You've had the CBS 230 primetime window plus the NBC nighttime window. So, you know, those – CBS, I think they lost in this because they overpaid for the Big Ten, and they gave the Big Ten way more money than they thought about giving the SEC. I still think the SEC has a lot of power here. Um, because they're adding one or two teams away from hitting that $1.6 billion mark, too. Because when these teams move around, guys, the money is going to follow them. The Big Ten's not able to get that much money if they don't add Los Angeles. So the SEC, man, dude, if you do something crazy enough to get a Notre Dame or move into that market like the the, the DMV, you pull a Virginia or Virginia Tech, if you're talking about TV markets, It'll follow through. But listen, the Big Ten's sitting pretty right now, and there's two conferences. There's the Big Ten and there's there's the SEC. And in five or six years, like you won't notice this over the next four years, but in five or six years, you'll you'll be able to tell which school's got $100 million a year and which school's got 20. And the guys that are getting 20 are in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And I think the ACC is 
a little more than that, but their TV deal is really bad too. So um, there's two conferences right now, and I think these TV deals that that um, the Big Ten and the SEC are landing, um, they're going to leave no choices, no, not really a choice for teams like Clemson and Florida State, Miami to eventually just jump ship, get in one of these conferences, and get on those TV deals. I don't really think it's a big deal right now. You're not really going to notice it for a while, but the only thing I think it, you could see it do is really it can move up the timeline for Texas and Oklahoma to get to the SEC. So what? Uh, so the SEC took on ABC and ESPN. Is that right? So what are their time slots? Like you know, SEC used to have the CBS two thirty games, which no more Gary Danielson, which I love, big right. big, big supporter of that. Um, and I wish they could have done this about fifteen years ago, so I never would have had to watch Vern Lundquist call one of my team's games. But uh, so what? What time slots will the SEC be getting? Is there like a twelve o'clock? Okay, so there's yeah, so- a. My bad, not to cut you off, but uh, the ACC is the ESPN, and so is the SEC. So, unless there's just a massive, you know, Clemson Miami, you know, five versus seven on a on a Saturday, like your your SEC prime time now is the six thirty or seven thirty kickoff, depending on your Eastern or Central. It's that night game. So Alabama LSU, that's not a two thirty game anymore. If both those teams are good. That is in your ABC prime time window. And the key is to put these big games on non-cable stations, on the big ABC. You know, if you're in Montgomery, what's that, 3340 or 32, whatever that channel is, to where the general public can get it, where you don't have to have ESPN to watch it. But if you're at SEC, you're sitting pretty. Everybody's got cable. You're still going to get that 11, that 2.30, that, you know, 5, or maybe that even 8 o'clock with the biggest game sitting right there on ABC 6.30, 7.30. So, the pro- it's just, this is better for SEC fans because the game of the week, the big one, the Alabama A&M, the Iron Bowl, that, that's not a freaking 2.30 kickoff anymore. It, it is finally – they're finally going to put the SEC's premier product in the time window that it needs to be in. And, and I think this is a good move. CBS, they're really paying the SEC like $50 million a year right now for its best games. Dude, I think they just paid the Big Ten like two fifty. So they weren't the last twenty years. The SEC has been screwed. They're going to get roughly, I think, I think right now like a billion dollars just off this deal, and that's before adding Oklahoma and Texas. So they're really they're really excited about the potential of this um, because ESPN and, and ABC they're they're all they are the brand, and I only think there's room to grow. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's one thing that the SEC has going for. It is the premier conference for college football. The best conference for football is in the SEC. I don't care what any other conference does. The best football lives here. I don't care about all the eyes and the markets or anything like that. We have the best product. So, you know, that's one thing that, um, yeah, for sure is going to work for the SEC. And I don't know how many people remember that old Miss game at 8 o'clock, but all I'm going to say is that was a real long day. And in the future, it's going to be a lot of days like that um, on campus because we always complain about the lack of night game. But I'm so glad that ESPN finally took that over. So you're so as an Alabama fan, a majority of the time we played at 2:30, and so with this new deal, could, is there a possibility that Bama A and M? Maybe Alabama, Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, 
Alabama, LSU, could those all be potential night games? Could Alabama possibly have six or seven night games in a season? No, I don't think they'll do that because they won't do that because that'll just be a clear bias. But like Joe, I was saying, like Alabama, LSU, that should always be a night game. The Iron Bowl should be a night game, you know, for the most part. So, yeah, Alabama, Tennessee, Tennessee's come is becoming pretty good at football now. That should be a night game. All your big time games should be night games. I don't care about, you know, New Mexico State or whatever like that. But you know your big primetime matchups—they're going to be night games. You're not going to have C—you're not going to have CBS being the bully over ESPN and sticking Alabama to two thirty slot. That's going to be over with. Hey J Lo, do you know if when Texas comes into the league, they're going to? Somebody asked me this um, earlier this week. I can't remember who it was. Are they still going to have the uh, Longhorn Network? Are they going to be able to do that, or would they have to give in to the SEC network? Yeah, you know, um, I really don't know that, but the Longhorn Network. No football games are on the Longhorn Network. Um, it was more of a secondary sport, you know, like kind of like um, SEC Network Plus put soccer on it. Okay. Um, so like they had like their own baseball games. It would it would essentially be like ESPN Plus, where you know you can watch every Alabama baseball game if it's on an SEC campus. That that was just something that wasn't given to everybody at the time in the Big Twelve. They still could have the Longhorn Network. But the the key for Texas, I think, is they're going to be able to make as much money just off of their SEC TV deals without having to log all of the work to make the Longhorn Network happen. But I, I do think that – so, again, there's, there's ESPN, ABC, owned by the same people, have the, all the rights. So – and you have, what, four channels – ESPN2, ESPN, heck, ESPNU, and ABC. So the four biggest games, now they won't do it like this because they won't put them all on at the same time, but there are going to be a lot more night games in the SEC. The big one will always be at night, but what's what happens when ABC is like, well, you know, we really want this Georgia-Florida game. But uh, Okay, this that's always at 2.30, right, in Gainesville or in uh, – where is it at Jacksonville? Yeah. Well, this could be a 5:30 kick now. And then coming up that night, it's going to be Alabama LSU at 8:15. Like there's a lot of Sheesh. options right here for the SEC because there's going to be four channels with unlimited amounts of games that they can be on them, pick and plug where they want them to go. And I think your biggest games are listen, you're not going to have a big noon kickoff type of thing in the SEC. Like the biggest games are going to be happening 2:30 or later. And um, the best ones are going to be much later. Good deal, man. Yeah, I'm all for more night games, especially when they're at home. Uh, seems like Alabama, we, we've rarely gotten those uh, the last decade or so. You hate playing them on the road, but as long as you get them at home, you know, I, I, I can deal with it. Because, you know, the crowd's a little bit more rowdy at night. You give a chance for the frat guys to wake up and get going again, uh, trying to get rid of that Friday night party hangover. But, um, guys, you know, like I said earlier – Really, not a lot has broken, um, except for JoJo Earl's foot. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, first scrimmage this Saturday, Bryant Denny Stadium. Um, if, if do you all have anything else that you want to discuss, I mean, I even asked some people, "Hey, is there anything you want us to discuss on the podcast tonight?" And they're like. 
Uh, there's really nothing going on. It's been a really quiet week uh, outside of the injury bug, injury bug floating through the Alabama football facility. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, nah, that's it for me, buddy. All right, man. Good deal. Uh, yeah, a little bit quicker of an episode this week. But, um, you know, next week we'll have more stuff to report on, on practice and how everything's going. Hopefully no injuries uh, in this upcoming scrimmage. Um, and, you know, the reason we're down in the dumps because we've seen this before. I've said this twice tonight. It's the same but different chapter. So we've seen this before, and so there's not a lot of positivity right now. We know the team's still good, and, yes, the uh, a lot of the guys that have gotten hurt so far aren't what we think would be big-time contributors, but you don't want anybody getting hurt, especially not six or seven guys at one time. Um, that really hurts your, your development and, and depth. Um, on both sides of the ball. But, uh, you know, hopefully we can get through, a, have a clean scrimmage and have a lot of good stuff to report next week. But until then, episode 65 of the Gump Runners podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We'll talk to you guys next week.